When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. Thanks for your company on this Monday, 19 degrees in Perth wherever you are around this great state. Thanks for tuning in to our show, 24 tomorrow, 23. Oh, 24 today, 23 tomorrow, and 20 with a possible shower on Wednesday. Make the most of the next couple of days. Wherever you're listening to the show, let us know. Always open for your feedback, 0487 736 736 or call 13 12 55. Who you are, what you want to say, and where you are listening to our show, 0487 Seven three six seven three six. How are you feeling today, Frio fans? How are you feeling, West Coast fans? How are you feeling, footy fans? What a day it was yesterday. Big show coming up. Bill Monaghan, coach of the East Romano Football Club, they pulled off a remarkable win, came from 27 points down, then kicked 12 unanswered goals to beat premiership favourites in the Waffles, Subiaco. Mike Ellis, we spoke to Mike this morning. He was inducted into the WA Basketball, Basketball WA Hall of Fame on Saturday night. And Gilly and myself had a chat with him. And a couple of people have missed it. It will be up on the podcast shortly. But if you want to hear that, we'll uh, take the best of that. Jimmy Smith talking all things NRL and Matthew Pavlich. He was very bullish today about Fremantle and had some interesting things to say also about the West Coast Eagles. Adam Simpson, Justin Longmuir, Gary Lyon, Tim Watson, Kane Corns, also Ross Lyon, a whole lot more as well. We've got plenty to get through, but your feedback is greatly appreciated. 13 12 55 or 0487 736 736. But first of all, I want to say this. Fremantle won yesterday's Western Derby by 15 points. There was so much to like about their win, their first in about six years. Caleb Sarong, Brandon Walker were just a few of the outstanding performers. And it was a win without their two best players, Nat Fife and Andrew Brayshaw. But the result aside, how good was footy yesterday? The atmosphere. Almost 52,000 fans in the best stadium in the country. It was a Dockers home game. A large part of that 52,000 were the Purple Army, but there was also plenty of noise for the West Coast Eagles. Stunning weather, no COVID protocols to worry about of any significance, the pre-game mood outside the stadium, the post-game celebrations by the Frio faithful, the respect shown to David Mundy, the retiring Stephen Hill, and the farewell of senior umpire Dean Margetts. Yesterday was footy and sport as we know it. And while this show doesn't have any need for political spin, yesterday was a reward for the people of WA, our health system, the hardline stands of our state government. Sadly, the pandemic still has got its grip on the East Coast and the drums are beating louder by the minute that we here in the West will play a major role in the upcoming AFL final series, 
with the grand final certainly on the cards of being staged right here at Optus Stadium. The AFL grand final should be at the MCG. It is the home of the grand final, and there is a contract to play it there. But if the AFL, Victorian Government and MCC play hardball with that deal for the sake of playing it at an almost empty venue, they are robbing the players the chance of playing in front of a packed house. The players make the game, but the fans, the noise and the passion on the other side of the fence make it a truly wonderful spectacle. And yesterday's Western Derby is current day proof of that. Let's not worry about where the AFL Grand Final could or should be played. Let's just put that to bed right now. The AFL Grand Final should be locked away for WA and Optus Stadium now and let the Grand Final party begin. 0487 736 736. Agree, uh, disagree, up to you, or 131255. And if you are listening, and a lot of people do listen on the app or on the East Coast, what do you make of that? Would you, do you think WA deserves to have the grand final? I, I take you back 12 months ago, and there was some very strong criticism of Mark McGowan, his hardline stance, and they don't deserve it, and it has to be played at the Gabba. The Gabba, is, was, the Gabba did an okay job last year, but I think we've had the Dreamtime game. We had that derby yesterday. It's proof that this is the best stadium in the country right now. It's, in fact, it's better than the MCG. It's just the, the MCG is an iconic venue. But as far as facilities, the venue, the ground, the atmosphere, well, yesterday, we've been lucky with the weather. There was just so much to like about yesterday. I mean, I was very fortunate to have arrived very early and the atmosphere a couple of hours before. And I don't care who's in the grand final. It won't be the Eagles and it won't be the Dockers. But you can guarantee your WA fans will come flocking. I'm also going to raise that subject with Jimmy Smith a little later, talking NRL. A lot of talk about all the finals being played in Queensland, New South Wales today, another 450-odd cases of COVID. So you're not going to see any rugby league back there anytime soon. More cases and a chance of an actual... Um, Lockdown period, a nine to five period, uh, anything after five o'clock in Melbourne, they've really got to get on their community spread as well. The fact is now that maybe the NRL can be hosted here as well, or some of the finals. We've got HBF Park. We've also got Optus. Um, There is a ready-made rectangular stadium at HBF Park over there in East Perth. It's where the Western Force plays, so there's no reason why a great rugby league game couldn't be played there. And we know that WA fans do love their rugby league. And um, for the better part, the players will feel safe. They can come in and do their seven days and can still live under their quarantine um, protocols, but play in front of big crowds. And we mean really big crowds. No need to have the finals in Queensland in rugby league because there's no Queensland teams in it. So same goes. Again, Two great venues over here. I'm sure they could more than uh, capable of hosting such a big event like Rugby League. What are your thoughts on all of that? 131255 is the number if you want to give us a call or 0487 736 736. For me, AFL Grand Final, shoo-in. AFL Finals maybe, all of them here in Perth. Who knows? Who knows what that will be? But I think we'd be better off locking it in now, getting our focus on making sure that the venue is up and about get ready for ticket sales and and get it all done and dusted and make it an event for the players to remember. 
because I can assure you there were players who played in that game yesterday and all they spoke about post-game was the noise. The noise from the other side of the fence. And it was a two-way street. There was plenty of noise for West Coast just as much as there was for Fremantle. A couple of points out of the Derby yesterday I'd like to share. One of the callers, we had a text this morning, 0487736736, saying, ease up, Frio fans, you didn't win the AFL Grand Final. But I think their relief came from the fact is they'd broken their drought after 11 losses in derbies. And it was good for them. They needed it. They did it with a lot of their big-name stars missing. But I will say this, they did beat a team that is out of form, and West Coast is out of form. And they won by 15 points, and they got the rub of the green a couple of times as well. Now, this is not making excuses for West Coast because I think Fremantle deserved to win the game. But it was a 15-point win against a team that's out of form. So before you think, oh, the worm's turned and it's all about Freo and they're onwards and upwards and they're going to be the big team in WA for the next five or ten years, I'm not so sure we can make that assessment right now out of one performance yesterday because Freo were horrible against Brisbane the previous week. It was a good win. The ball bounced their way. They had some good results and they got lucky on a couple. But they had the best player on the ground, Caleb Sarong. They won when it mattered. They had a target up forward and they kicked eight goals in the first quarter. But I genuinely believe that Fremantle, and I think we should understand this, is it was just a win. It was a great win for the club and a great win for Frio fans, but it was just a win against an opposition that can barely get themselves to the finish line. As for West Coast, I wouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater just yet, but there's something not right, and I don't know what it is. I don't look at that team. It doesn't. There looks to be something's not right, and I'm not close enough to the action to know, but I can only relate to it on the field. There looks to be some, and for the want of a better word, disenchantment looks to be some disconnect between some of the group. And I don't know who they are and I don't know why they are, but it doesn't look the same West Coast Eagles when they're up and about being well-led, well-coached, well-administered. There's just something missing. Do you have a thought on that as well? 0487 736 736 or 131255. Plenty to digest there. Adam Simpson spoke yesterday, Justin Longyear spoke yesterday, and we'll get to those very, very shortly. But in the meantime, let's get a break away and have a listen to Gary and Kane talking about the West Coast Eagles this morning on SEN. This is, can you, and the Tigers aren't going to play files. No one, everyone just says, hey, you've won three out of four, that's what happens. It gets yeah. you in the end, you get tired, you get yeah. weary, whatever. Or your luck runs out. Yeah. West Coast, please, there's something amiss over there. There, there has to be something amiss over there because been, the, the way yeah. they play and the way we watch them play without a full buy-in, there's something going on over there. I don't know what it is. So symptomatic of their year, wasn't it? They, they give the opposition a start, um, they, they get back into it, you think they're going to overrun, and then in the end they don't, they don't win. When you've got a team that has Kelly, Allen, Nick Nat, um, Cripps, Darling, McGovern, like, honestly, I've said it before, <laughs> I'll say it again, their top ten is elite. If I could pick any ten and put them up against any other team's ten, I'd take West Coast. Talent-wise. So, that's talent. That's talent. talent. There's talent. other parts it, it, to this. It's con- 100%. The way they play, though, is conditional, isn't it? 
It, I think I say this a lot. I think they pick and choose. They do, and they p- even pick and choose within games. I wonder if they're a happy team. It's hard to know from the other side of the country. I wonder if they. You don't think they are. Though, well, do the way I look at it, I don't. They just don't. Not, There's a disconnect there somewhere. Some, isn't something's it? happening, and I don't profess to know what it is. We're too far away, but just watching them play, I just wonder what's going on away from the footy field. 19 after 10, thanks for your company. 0487 736 736. No name on this, which is always, well, it's not great. Uh, hey, Tim, if it is just a win, then why did you and all the so-called experts tip the Eagles to win the Derby easily last week? Take your blue and yellow glasses off. Fremantle weren't in any form either, and we're missing a lot more talent than the Eagles did. Um, those in glass houses shouldn't be throwing stones, no name. Uh for your information, I actually said that, that Fremantle were missing more talent. I also said Fremantle weren't in great form. And I also said it's just another game. But it was so significant for the Fremantle Football Club because if you didn't know that, Fremantle Dockers fan, you've got your head up your clacker because you've lost the last 11 derbies. You've lost the last 11 derbies. You, 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 are, you, you haven't been a dominant force for a long time. West Coast won the last flag of any team in the competition rather than Richmond. Adam Simpson has the best win-loss record in the last eight years of AFL football in the country. You got them. You won. Be humble. That's exactly what I was saying. There's nothing wrong with winning, but there is something wrong when you finally win a game and you won the game, and I'm not taking that away. And why did we tip West Coast? I'll tell you why we tipped West Coast. Because you lost the last 11, Fremantle. There's your proof. And there was nothing to suggest that you should have won that game yesterday, but you did because you were better on the day. Your better players played well. West Coast were off. But when both teams were off coming in, you probably put down the form guide and went, well, big stage, Frio, where are they at? No Brayshaw, no Fife, no Walters, no a couple of others. And you won. And that's what we said. And you know what footy tipping is? A crock of crap. Couldn't give a rat's toss bag who I tip any game about any sport, any time. But when you're asked to give a prediction, you give one. Well played, Frio. We're saying that. Don't be... The problem is a lot of the time with Frio fans is you hate anyone else having an opinion when your team wins. The proof's in the pudding. You've won nothing. You haven't won a flag. You've got nothing to crow about. But yesterday you did because you won the derby. Be humble like Justin Longmuir asked. Be proud. Absolutely. You've got bragging rights to the next derby. But you're not a big player in the competition. And if yesterday is proof that you're going to be a powerhouse because you beat a half-baked West Coast Eagles team who is badly out of form, and for whatever reason, as I explained in my opening, whatever reason it is, and you won by 15 points and you got the rub of the green when it mattered most down the stretch, then I'd be being very, very, very understated if I was a Fremantle fan. Enjoy it, yes. Beat your chest as though it's the greatest moment of the football club. I wouldn't say so. Anyway, here's your coach, Justin Longmuir. Yeah, well, we had a real focus on the contest. Uh, you know, clearly it wasn't up to scratch last week against Brisbane, so that was our you know, main focus of the week to get back on track there. Uh, thought, yeah, we just tried to throw a, a few different things at, at West Coast, and um, yeah, I was just really impressed with the way the players uh, yeah drove from contest and, and used the numbers and 
Um, yeah, obviously we connected well inside 50 as well. I think we took eight marks inside 50 that first quarter. So we got bang for buck um, on the scoreboard. Yeah, our tall falls, forwards, especially tabs, look really dangerous. So, yeah, we got on the front foot. How significant is it that their game by cards is wrong? To win the medal, kick a couple of goals, 32 touches and lead, lead the club to the victory. Uh, it's just, yeah, another step in his career. Um, you know, he, he loves those sort of games where it's the contest. Uh, yeah, and... Um, yeah, we needed someone to stand up. Obviously, we were, we were a bit light on through the middle of the ground this, this week. Um, yeah, so we needed all our mids to stand up. And I, I thought, um, you know, Dave, um, Caleb and, um, and Chez all had impact on the game. Uh, you know, we didn't get it on our own, own terms the whole time through the middle of the ground. Um, clearly, um, they got on top at, at stages. So thought we were able to fight, um, fight it out. And, yeah, Caleb was a big part of that. Not, I'm not sure he's kicked. I'm not sure he's kicked a goal like that before, though. <laughs> <laughs> can you, can you quick, quick, what was your reaction to that goal? Uh, I thought he should have squared it up to the top of the goal square. Nah. <laughs> yeah. And while we're on that topic, did you see the lead up when um, Cherry looked like he was out of bounds in the lead up? Did you see anything? And what did you make of that? No, I didn't see it. Nah, no, nah, no. Nah. Uh, well, yeah, you know what I mean. Obviously, got. Obviously wasn't because the boundary umpire didn't pay it. So, yeah. Yeah, and the significance of breaking the eleven-game derby losing streak. Can you talk a bit about that and, and what that means for the club and I guess the supporters as well? Oh, it's it's big for our supporters. Um, as as a as a as a playing group and a coaching group, it's probably been more outside noise than anything. You know, I think we've lost two derbies under me. Um, yeah, and we didn't make too much of it, to be honest. It's, um, you know, what's what's done and what's gone on the past is, you know, in the rearview mirror. So we focus on what's in front of us, and we just wanted to get back to our to our best footy. You know, clearly, we got beaten in the contest last week against Brisbane, and and that's not us. So we wanted to rebound. And how do you view the top eight situation right now? You guys are so close, but you'll need other results to go your way. How do you approach that with the players? Look after our own business. It's the only way we can do it. Focus on St Kilda, prepare for St Kilda at their best, um, have another really good week on the track and, and in pre- preparation and put our best foot out there. Um, what happens, happens. And I think that's been the, the learning curve out of the last you know, six to eight weeks. Um, you know, we've sometimes been distracted by uh, the outcomes, um, finals positions, um, outside noise, um, and that's taken us away from our preparation. So thought we got the mix um, right this week. Um, and we need to do the same next week. Justin, eight, eight goals, two early on. We've seen Freo probably two goals eight at the, in a similar position a couple of times this year. Scoreboard pressure makes a big difference, doesn't it? Yeah, we kicked a couple of nice ones, and um, but I think our yeah, shots were from, were from were from good areas as well, um, which makes your accuracy look a lot better. Um, yeah, and it's, it was really good to get some um, bang for buck. Uh, when we've had. We've had pretty good field position. Even last last week, we won the inside fifties. Um, you know, we didn't win them today, but we had good field position in that first quarter. Uh, good ball, good ball movement with speed on the ball, and um, yeah, we were able to cash in, which was good. Said so you're trying a few things um, with players out today. Swikowski in uh, in the midfield early when things were going well. Did you like that? Yeah, loved it. Um, it's probably something that's been in the in the back of our minds. Um, he's such a good, uh, he's such a diligent player to to roll and structure, uh, and he's elite with his pressure and, and hunt on the on the ball. So he, he's a good, he could be a good centre bounce player. We've probably, um, you know, probably tried to 
spin probably six or seven guys through there, so he's, he's missed out. But uh, yeah, clearly with um, Brayshaw going out, um, Fife not available, we needed someone else to, to spend some more time in centre bounce. So his number came up and we'll continue to evolve that. Justin, does it feel like your best win as a coach right now? Oh, don't really rate them in, in order. Um, every win's a good win. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't really think about it like that. It's um, yeah. Yeah, I'm just really proud of the players' effort. Really proud we've bounced back from last week, and really um, grateful we've been able to keep our season alive. And how about the the big picture of, of where you're at right now as a club? It gives you ten wins now, which is the the best you've had since 2015. What do you sort of think that says about how you're building right now as a group? Uh, I think it. I think it says, um, you know, we've been able to uh, stick to our tasks throughout the year. Um, we've had a lot of curveballs thrown our way, um, and we've been able to build and learn from the experiences we've had. Um, and we've been able to build depth in our in our group. Um, you know, to see some of the younger players out there today executing their role, standing up in the contest, um, it's going to bode us well for the future. Um, hold us in really good stead. Um, I feel like. Yeah, we're starting to build a really deep list that you need. You need that competition for spots, and I feel like into the future we'll have that. Uh, where do you expect you playing next week? There's talk we'd be going to Tassie. You might be in Melbourne. What's, where, where's your preference? Do you know anything at this point, given quarantine issues are going to apply if you go to certain locations? Uh, yeah, I've got no idea, mate. I've just got. I've got no idea at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll get told probably after you guys. So. We'll um, give the players a day off tomorrow like we always would. And, um, yeah, we'll hit the ground running on Tuesday with preparation. Hopefully we know a little bit more, more by then. And from a, a club day perspective, David Mundy, obviously such a big occasion. Yeah. How important was it for you to win that game for the occasion and the history that it's going to bring? Uh, yeah, uh, we spoke about Dave a little bit before the game. Um, you know, it feels like every week he's has a milestone um, you know he's going to break the record next week so we might chair him off next week um, but it was really about Hilly as well uh, he's been such an um, excellent servant of our club um, we draw on the fact that he's probably um, you know one of our one of our most um, diligent role playing superstars that we've ever had in our existence um, his ability to work defensively hunt the footy um, and use the ball with real class. We drew on all those aspects today. Um, so we wanted to do him proud. And the other thing is, it's just a big day for our club uh, in terms of you know, hosting a home derby. Um, you know, it was a good turnout. <clears throat> it's going to be good for the bottom line, all those sorts of things. So we wanted to um, do our fans really, uh, uh, you know, we wanted to make our fans proud of us, um, given it was our last home game. And when you look at, you've been playing, look, everyone's been playing, but no people at times. Um, there's a lot of debate around where finals you played in grand finals. To have 50,000 people making noise in a game and giving the players thrill and atmosphere, how much better is football when that's happening? Well, our fans, our fans create the game. They are the game. So we wouldn't do it without them. Um, so, and, it, and the game wouldn't be what it is um, without them. So we need them at the games. Um, and when it comes to finals, playing them in front of empty stadiums just wouldn't feel right. So... Um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a world class stadium. Um, the Perth the Perth people would turn out to to watch any finals game. So I'm all for having them here. 
And um, we saw that when Kyle Sarong accepted his award, he said, he said again, how good was that? David Mundy was talking about finals on the, on the TV, mm. the possibility of that. Surely everyone's daring to dream from inside. Even though you want to keep process oriented, daring to dream has to be important, doesn't it? Well, we always dare to dream. Well, we've never said we don't want to make finals. We've always wanted to make finals. It's just um, we can't spend too much time focusing on that. It's not what wins your games, unfortunately. And just one <laughs> final one, kind of likely. Looked like a hammy. How, how bad is it? Uh, not sure. We'll get it scanned. Um, he felt something pop. Um, so hopefully it's not too bad. But, yeah, he'll, he'll be in doubt for next week. Okay. Any other injuries to come out? No, no, no. Other than that, it looks... I think Chair's got a little corky, um, but he'll be right. Thanks, April. 27 away from 11. Tim Gossage with you, Sporting Goss, on this Monday. Currently 20.4 degrees, heading for a top of 24. Make the most of the sunshine. Mostly sunny day, 23 tomorrow. Not so good on Wednesday, a possible shower. Let's have a check of some of the text. 0487736736. Simon of Claremont, double edger. Ha ha, Tim, lowercase t. Uh, so salty, followed by eagles are half baked and full of themselves. Lol, he's giving me a lol. Ah, uh, nothing like a good lol or a laughing emoji. Uh, 0487736736. I don't think the eagles are salty. I'm certainly not salty because it doesn't bother me. <laughs> I didn't kick it or miss it. We'll get four premiership points or do a hamstring. I sat and caught it. Gee, it was a good game to commentate, I must admit. And BT says, lovely spray, Goss. Well, it's not a spray. It's just trying to recalibrate those who think that it was a life-changing win. I don't agree with people who think it was a life-changing win. I think it was great for the club, great for Justin Longmuir. You just heard then in that press conference prior to the 10.30 news, it's the most wins they've had since 2015. It doesn't say much for the last five years. I haven't won enough games. And what's the reason? What's the reason? Why, why all of a sudden, after one win, are they the team storming to the premiership in WA over West Coast? They beat them on their merits. They played better footy. And just enjoy it. But be careful thinking that this is going to turn the world around. Because I'm not sold just yet. I think they're going to be okay. And I think Justin Longmuir is the man that can get the best out of them. And as not that it matters for many, but he's one of the all-time good fellas. And I hope he has plenty of success. And I think they're on the right track. But I don't think we could just be saying simply because they've won a derby. Because it was a 15-point win and the rub of the green went their way when it mattered. Greg Hire on Twitter Rocked up to get Pfizer jab, turned away because they haven't received any government notification regarding age criteria. They also asked me about the vacant Wildcats head coaching job. You've got to love the uh, the, got to love the hashtag Red Army. Very, very true. Greg Hire on Twitter there. Of course, we've heard from Justin Longmuir after the win. Well, the vanquished was Adam Simpson. This is what he had to say after yesterday's 15-point derby loss. Yeah, the first quarter was, um, yeah, we conceded two... Too many broken tackles, um, score some stoppages really hurt us. Um, and their efficiency in their front half was um, was too high. So I think inside 50s weren't too dissimilar, but their efficiency and our turnovers with some easy possessions and then our inability to stick a tackle really hurt us in that first quarter. And this has been a theme for a long period of time this year. Unfortunately, we concede when it's a run on and momentum's lost. Um, we're conceding too many goals and then 
Well, to be honest, after quarter time, I thought, you know, they, they were pretty brave, but damage was done. How are you feeling about the difficult finals equation that's ahead of you now? Well, that's we are, that's us. We you deserve everything you get in this game. It's a great leveller, and you know we're fighting for. No, we're still alive, I think. So we've got to find a way to get around the boys and have a swing. But um, yeah, we're where we are because of games like today. And and how's Tim Kelly? He's got a medial on his other knee. Um, then he hurt earlier in the year, so I'm pretty sure he won't be available. Adam, the the message seems to have been to the players in recent weeks that our destiny is in our own hands. We just need to keep winning. How do you? What's your message to them now to, to try and get a win in round 23 in the, the circumstances you're in? Well, it'll be the same. We can't worry about what the opposition and other games do. We need to get ourselves organised. So we need four quarters. We're playing a top four side over the last couple of years in Brisbane on their home deck. They looked really good last week. So we'll look at our wounds. We'll review the game, in particular the, the first quarter, obviously. Um, but there was resi- resilience in this, the last three quarters and it was the game was up for grabs there. Um, we probably just spent too much in the you know final three quarters and you know, by the time um, the game was on the line, we just looked like we didn't have enough energy. So you know, we, we, we need to get back on the bike, really, and uh, have another swing this week. You mentioned the first quarter was a, a mindset issue. Have you got any early indications from the players why that was, or have they, they spoken about it at all? Uh, I, there's two parts to that. One is how good Fremantle were. So we, we have to uh, tip a hat to, to the pressure they brought, Played to their strengths, did some things that we knew they would do and we couldn't stop it. Um, I thought their forwards were on top in the first quarter and the supply was good. So, um, yeah, they, they were too good for us in the first quarter. But to concede eight goals, um, you know, it's, un- it's unacceptable. Yep. I acknowledge it's it's very early to, to talk about selection, but have you put thought into to Willie Rioli round 23? Well, yeah, Willie's, um, he'll be a conversation early in the week. Um, yeah, he's done nothing but um, impress the way us and the players about how he's gone about it. So I have to, to weigh it all up and see how we go. But, um, you know, he's training well and he's, he's had a really good block of fitness. So we'll, we'll see how we go. Just on Josh Kennedy, he went off with that hand or finger injury. What can you tell us there? Yeah, look, there was some, some sore guys tonight and, and Josh will be one of them. Um, there was some pretty special efforts to come back on with a few of our guys, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know how they are, but um, they finished the game off, and um, yeah, there's a few sore boys. And I guess Scripps was another one of those those brave players who went back on. He took about it during that. Yeah, I'm not sure how many teeth he's got left, um, but he's lost a couple. Um, are you expecting to play at the Gabba on Saturday night? Oh, we don't know where or when or how we're pl- what, what's happening. So I mean, that, that's the common theme, which we all totally respect and understand. So the AFL will give us some guidance early in the week. It does change um, day by day. So we're used to that. So it, by the sounds of it at the moment, if nothing changes, we'll, we'll, be in, we'll be in Queensland next week. And if you make the eight, would you expect to stay away? I've got no idea. No, I'm not even... Th- that's not my... I have to talk to Craig or Trevor about that. And just on that Sarong goal in that final quarter, I'm not sure if you saw in the lead up to that, Jared, it looked like it took the ball pretty clearly out of bounds, just as a coach. <laughs> what goes through your mind, I guess, when, when those sort of things happen, such a crucial point oh. in the match? 
Well, it's, it's umpired by humans, so, you know, there's going to be errors that are blatant, and um, I'm not critical of the umpires for that at all, but, you know, we probably should have got him out of bounds. Um, you know, there's three or four opportunities. It's hard to be critical of umpires in that situation. You don't know what they see, and, um, you know, he, the, the, the last three quarters um, was a really good game of footy for us. The first quarter was the problem. So, Adam, difficult question. I know after a loss, the Fremantle were the youngest team in the comp this week. A loss like that, does it have any impact on the way you assess your list? No, no. We know where we're at. We know what's in front of us. We know what we need to do. Um, so we're working hard behind the scenes on what the next phase looks for us, and it's not on the basis of the last five weeks or uh, today. It's you know, there's a lot of planning in place, so we 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 know what we need to do going forward and. Um, you know, we need to dig a bit deeper about what's going on with our momentum shifts, but the list profile will change, um, just like it has a few years ago. Um, we think we've got some good kids coming through. We've given some games to some young talent, and we need to hit the draft. So that, that's all. That hasn't changed. So you, you've used that line a fair bit lately about you know where you're at. Is that foreshadowing quite a significant sort of shake-up this summer? No, no, not 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 in that sense not in my mind um, so I'm not here to talk about our list management strategy to you guys but we, we, we know everything you're talking about we know 13 away from 11 21 degrees currently it's nice 24 is the top 23 tomorrow rain coming on Wednesday news just through on, from Sammy Edmund from SEN Melbourne our chief sports reporter footy reporter and I quote his tweet the AFL formally told clubs last night the pre-finals buy is dead. The league has also told clubs it could instead become a pre-preliminary finals buy in the event of teams relocating to Perth, etc. The move has overwhelming club support given the COVID threat. And we know that Melbourne is going down to restrictions until September 2. And we know the situation that's happening, of course, in New South Wales, Queensland, and other places. 13 12 55, if you have a call, or 0487 736 736. Mike Ellis was a special guest on Gillian Goss this morning, and by request, here is the great Wildcat. Tearing up the car and building up the heat. Here we come. Oh, no. Here we come. Oh, no. Yeah. Here we come. Yeah. The Wildcats are on the yeah. One of the most iconic songs of WA Sports. And at the coalface of that was the great Mike Ellis, who on Saturday night was part of a wonderful occasion, the inaugural basketball WA Hall of Fame. And we're a bit staggered to know that that was the first time we've had a Hall of Fame. It wasn't already in existence. (laughs) Given the dominance of the Perth Wildcats and, and WA basketball, I was so stunned by that. But... Fantastic, it's come to fruition. It does. Uh, Mike Ellis, Andrew Vlahov, Luke Longley, Tully Bevilacqua, Melissa Sinfield, Rahani Cox, Andy Stewart, John Gardner, Brad Ness, Tom Mills, Libby Woods, the first state inductees. Mike Ellis has been kind enough to join us. Hey, good on you, Six. Congratulations. A very special night for basketball. Yeah, thank you, gentlemen. Nice to chat with you. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a big night, I must admit. It was, uh, it was nice to be a part of it all. It happened at the, uh, the convention centre. Uh, they set it all up. Very nicely. Uh, it was originally going to be at Optus Stadium, funnily enough, but with COVID and all the changes to the AFL games, they weren't sure whether it was going to clash with the footy. 
all that sort of stuff. So mm. they ended up making the change, and it's still a great venue. I, I really like the old cockroach down there. It still does a, a very, very good job. <laughs> Oh, Mike, yeah, congratulations, and uh, I don't think anyone would question uh, the legitimacy of your inclusion. In, in as you just heard Goss and I say, we, we were stunned. Why has this taken so long for, for WA to have a, a Basketball Hall of Fame? Gilly, that's a very good question, mate, one that many people have been asking for a long time, that uh, something like that should have happened. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. Well, if you look at the Wildcats, they don't even have life members either, so that, you know, it's quite odd the way basketball have gone about it. I think um, football, cricket, they, they seem to do that stuff very well. Uh, basketball has taken a long time to, to really get into that understanding of really, I think, um, honouring those people that, are, that have been there for a long, long time. And I think I got mine purely because I've been around for so bloody long, mate. I think that's the reason I'm in there. But, um, but yeah, look, it is, it is great that they've actually stepped up. And I think they're trying to do the right thing. They really are. And, and I think this is a great step forward. And and I really look forward to seeing over the years the, the new inductees and, and how that all forms to be what is a pretty uh, pretty selective group. And, and I'm just honoured to be part of it right now. Yeah, there will be some uh, wonderful inductees as years to, in years to come. You, you go and watch the Wildcats now. It's down at RAC Arena. It is one of the great nights out. Win, lose or draw, the entertainment, it's action-packed, the fan engagement and all the colour and state-of-the-art stadium. Can you take us back to 1982 in the first, in the inaugural season of the Wildcats? Can you describe that opening game? Where was it? How many people there? You know, I guess it's a long way from RAC Arena and the atmosphere there. Yeah, it certainly is. That stadium doesn't even exist anymore, mate. There's a, there's a whole heap of houses on that, area, on that spot because it was uh, Perry Lake Stadium down at uh, Floriot there. And, uh, you know, right opposite the, the uh, lake or the swamp or yep. whatever you wanted to call it at the time. <laughs> um, yeah, well, we, we played down there and uh, the stadium held like about probably 800 people. And uh, we, we thought we weren't sure how many people were going to show up to the first game. We were playing the, the Geelong Supercats that had uh, Cal Bruton and James Crawford playing for them. Yeah. Uh, and we played and I must admit the place was packed. It was fantastic. And, and Gilly, you know, the interesting thing, about that game that, that really sticks out in my mind is that 800 people there, and I could virtually name every single person at that game. You know, and I could look through the stand and go, yep, 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 name, name, name. And it was such a personal family thing back then. It really was. And, and for us to get involved in the, in the NBL, uh, it was a great thing for WA basketball. And it, it really started us on the road. I mean, the fact that we got our... our well, I was going to say our asses, but I can't really say that. So <laughs> too late, I already have. And we got our asses handed to us by about 30. Was was not a great auspicious start, but you know what? We were in the league and we are just proud to be a part yeah. of it. And, and the whole basketball fraternity got behind us. Um, they abused us when we kept getting beaten. But, you know, that's what basketball, that's what sports are like, you know. Fickled fans, you know what yeah. they're like, Gilly. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Very true. Mike Ellis, our guest, one of the first inductees, amongst the first inductees of the WA Basketball Hall of Fame. It was a, a, an eclectic group, wasn't it? I mean, the late John Gardner, Brad Ness, of course, done so much for wheelchair basketball in Australia. Tom Mills in officiating. Libby Woods is an official on the bench. You've got coaching with Andy Stewart. You've got players like Rahani Kosh and Melissa Sinfield, Tully Bevilacqua, who we know, yourself and Drew and Luke. It was a really nice mix. I mean, there's, you, there's always talk about who's not in it. But I reckon they got that right on Saturday night with that first group of inductees. 
Yeah, I agree, Doss. I think that it was a really good list and a good group. What we did is, uh, because they wanted to do, and you'll appreciate this, Doss, I'll say this to you. What they said to us was that when you go up, look, you're allowed to do an acceptance speech if you want, but you've got to keep it to one minute. <laughs> Mate, after I picked myself up off the floor, I actually said, when I, I said, I'll, I'll take my minute, that's okay. So when I went up there, I went, they asked me to keep this to a minute. Any of you that know me, and especially my players, know what a ludicrous request that is. Absolutely ludicrous. Anyway, but what we did do um, was uh, a couple of weeks before that, they actually got all of us together um, at Basketball, um, Basketball Central, which is the Bandat Centre now, and we went up there and we, you know, they put on a couple of drinks and a couple of nibblies, and we all sat around and they had a video guy there and he did complete interviews with each one of us. So I get it because they had those running through the night on the big screens and we talked about ourselves, what we did, and we talked about the other inductees and, uh, at various times. And that, I thought, was a really nice touch that they mm. did that. They didn't just get you on the stage, announce it, and then give you your one minute and then and send you off. So I think they did it very, very well, and I agree with you guys. I think it was a, a great group, and like I said, I'm just uh, very proud and humbled to be a part of that group. Yeah, and so you should be, Mike. And and your involvement of, of well pioneering the way for the Wildcats, and and just the, your overall contribution to the NBL over the over many many years. Emotional times for basketball in Australia with the bronze medal the, finally on the dais at, at the Olympics. You must feel some sort of contribution to that, mate. A significant one, I would imagine. Oh. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been part of the, the national program as well, and, and I did that as a player, and I also did it as a coach at the junior yep. level, uh, coaching national junior teams. So, you know, that's all part of the development. And funnily enough, uh, the, the guys that I was coaching in that um, junior group, guys were Paddy Mills, Matty Delavadova, <laughs> these sorts of guys, you know, yeah. Joe Ingle, these sorts of guys that came through the Institute of Sport. So, yeah, I, I mean very, very small part of it, and I certainly aren't saying that I had any significant role in what they've done, but just to be a little bit a part of that, um, and, you know, basketball at a junior level, and all those things, because that's what it takes. If you don't have that foundation, and you well know this, the top just crumbles away, so, you know, it, it was just such a fantastic team, and I thought, I thought Andrew Gay summed it up beautifully, the way he yeah. spoke, and then Paddy Mills, and I interviewed him. You know, they're all on the same page. You know, they, I thought they did a fantastic job, and it was a very proud moment for uh, for Australian basketball, that's for sure. That it was, and a proud moment for you on Saturday night. Congratulations on your induction into the Basketball WA Hall of Fame. Well-deserved. All the very best with the Senators for the rest of the uh, local NBL year, and uh, congratulations, and, and you are one of the genuine good fellows that have come through all levels of sport in WA, and uh, to call you a mate as well uh, is uh, very special for me. Appreciate your time on, on this uh, Monday morning. Thanks for joining us, good mate. Good Mike. Yeah, good on you, gentlemen. Thank you. Appreciate it. Time to talk NRL on the Sporting Goss on this Monday morning with our man, Jimmy Smith from SEN Sydney, and he's on air a little later today, of course. Jimmy, uh, thanks for holding the fort for me while I wasn't there last week. Hey, Timmy, I'll tell you what, if you've got friends like Peter Vlahos, I'd hate to see your enemies. Wow, <laughs> solid as a lemonade sandwich. Tell you what, didn't he get stuck into you? Yeah, well, you know, I opened myself up by having a well, no, I don't say well-deserved day off. Uh, I took a couple of days off to just to recharge, Jimmy, but I'm I'm going to finals mode. He's a good man, Pete. He's a good man. He's a jack-of-all-trades, master of all. 
Uh, he, he said something about if you couldn't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen and all that sort of stuff. But anyway, I, <laughs> hey, just to, just to let you know, mate, yeah. I was there rock solid. No, nah, I'm sure you were. Uh, I'll just go back through the log and uh, find out. I'm tip- I am tipping it might have been in complete reverse. Hey, Jimmy, uh, Queensland is favourite to host the NRL Grand Final. It doesn't come as any great shock with uh, what you're going through at the moment in New South Wales. Uh, and the other options are closing fast too. So, you know, always thinking about Victoria and Melbourne and the MCG. And I know Matt Tripp, the um, majority owner of the Melbourne Storm, was a little bit bullish about that a couple of weeks ago. That window seems to be closing very quickly. I would think that there's a, a close to the window with uh, New Zealand and Jacinda Ardern hasn't uh, been as uh, excited about that opportunity as mm. perhaps the NRL is. And, um yeah, and that's that's going to be really challenging for them, um, not just because they're having a, a grand final away from you know, the traditional heartland, um, but also the fact that they don't have another alternate to it. So your negotiating power at the table's uh, greatly diminished at that. In saying that, mate, there are a lot of positives to it. Suncorp Stadium, if they get it there, is a fabulous venue. It's outstanding. There's not a bad seat in the house. We know how much they love their rugby league, even if there wasn't a a Queensland-based side and there won't be in a grand final. There could be the Melbourne Storm, which is like the next best thing. And, um, you know, the, any grand final, you take it there. I, I think it would be an overwhelming success. And I, I think, um, you know, the NRL will find the positives in that. Has there been any mention of Perth? We've got a, a, a purpose-built stadium here, Rugby League at HBF Park, where the Western Force also play Rugby Union and where Rugby League has been played. We've got Optus Stadium. I know we're right in the mix and likely to get the AFL Grand Final. I'm not exactly sure about how many finals we're going to get, but has WA been mentioned at all? Uh, it's a good point, and I should have recognised that with your WA listenership, but, um, but the challenge is... You know, one of the great things about the State of Origin game that was over there that was just spectacular. I mean, the venue I've never been to, but uh, you'd you just see it for those big occasions and, you know, it looks awesome. And would love to have gone there for that Origin game. And then, um, you know, the amount of people that travel over at the time make it all worthwhile from a government spend and, and, and from a game point of view. But that would probably be next to zero, I would think, if the grand final was to be played there, given the tight restrictions that... WA is imposing on on you know people from just about everywhere. Um, so unfortunately, I think that works against them. Um, otherwise, I, I don't know. You you know better than me, Timmy. What would the the public of, oh. of Western Australia do with an NRL Grand Final if there was no two teams there that they sort of barracked oh, for? Nah, they're out in force, mate. There's a there's a huge element of rugby league people here, and I know this. We beat our chest repeatedly. Unfortunately, for the WA Rugby League. Uh, NRLWA and Johnny Saxon and the team, they are hell-bent on trying to get a team over. It would be huge here now. It really would be. I think I think we've moved on from, you know, those Western Red days and the Perth Red days. There was, there was momentum back then. And then the, the, the split competition, it did a lot of damage to the fabric of the game over here. But there's a strong supporter base. They love the Storm. They love the Rabbitohs who are here constantly. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm but I, people would come in their droves to watch rugby league here. At, you know, at HBF Park, if you get eighteen to 20,000 every game for a final series, you would get it. You would simply get it. And then if it was grand final day here at Optus Stadium, you'd get forty five, fifty thousand, 50,000 uh, and a, a fine day at a pinch. They would come in their masses. Yeah, right. Well, that's good to know too because I, I'd, I'd love – well, you know what um, – I really think that uh, another team in uh, NRL team in WA is a, 
a logical one too. Mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. that's a logical one when you're looking at, you know, we're talking about 17th team, but 18th team most definitely. Yeah. Um, the other thing about it is um, when you start considering time zones and it would be light and fast yeah. into an East Coast um, primetime audience. Like, so purely from a game point of view, it, it has a lot of upside to it as well. So, um, yeah, there you go. There's, there's things to consider. Certainly um, certainly uh, the case. Now, just really briefly, won't go through every result. Storm kept on winning. They took a while to shake off the Raiders. We know the Panthers got the Dragons done. The Broncos got, unfortunately for them, got beaten on Friday the 13th by a point by the Roosters. The Rabbitohs continued their winning form. I think they're five or six straight. Seagulls had a big win. Uh, what did you take out of that? And the Sharks have left themselves probably a bridge too far now with that narrow defeat to the Knights. I think they've got to almost win their last three. Well, the game on Friday night was just incredible. Um, the Broncos v. the Roosters game, and that's left them open to some criticisms around what the league is doing with their match review committee. Um, there was a really nasty incident in that uh, Storm Raiders game with Corey Hattawee at Anaira. He's going to be on the sideline for an extended period as well. The Rabbitohs have actually won 10 straight now, first time yeah, in their history that they've been able to do it, and now they're the, the best scoring team in history, but the big news coming out of it, you know, they got flogged on Saturday night, the Parramatta Eels, but the, the issue for the Seagulls is that Tommy T looks like, Tom Trebojevic mm-hmm. looks like he's going to be out until the finals, three weeks out with a uh, fractured cheekbone that already had a plate inserted in it. Mm-hmm. You should see, you should see the, the data that's coming out of his performances in that game. Well, not just against the Eels, but all year. He's a standout runaway lead. He's going to miss nearly half the amount of games if he doesn't play the last three weeks in this season and he'll win the Dally M. Mm. That's that's how that's how dominant his performances have been for Manly. He's he's literally Timmy. He's one of those guys you go, well when are Manly playing? Because I'll set aside that time because I want to watch them play. You talk about the Rabbitohs being on that 10-game winning streak, uh, but they will start outsiders Friday night against the Panthers. And this is the game I think everyone's looking forward to. It's second place, third. There's a lot of games mixed around that. I think there's only other one other game that has sort of uh, any top eight uh, ramifications genuinely inside the top eight. And I think that's Thursday's Titans Storm game. Seventh place, first Storm will probably win that. But apart from all of that, second place, third, that's a blockbuster Friday night. And the Rabbitohs are outsiders. Yeah, and, and that says something about the Panthers. And, and it would have been two weeks ago that the Panthers would have been outsiders. But Nathan Cleary's back. Um, he hasn't been suspended um, over that shoulder charge. He's just needed that game under the belt to get ready for, for this game. Uh, and, and you've got two sides there that aren't their best footy, at the way things are going, their best footy can easily win a premiership. So this is going to give them a lot of confidence going into a semi-final series as well. And, and the way things are shaping up, they'll play each other week one too. So um, this is a bit of a, a preview of that. Uh, Newcastle, first time I think since, or oh, must be close to round three or four, that they've been in the top half of the ladder. Oh, and they did, well, what do they deserve to be? Um, they've got a, a, you know 10 wins, 11 losses. Um, but I think they're the next best. Um, in fact, the way it stands at the moment, Timmy, if you said right now, okay, the Eels are playing the Knights in that first week of the semi, that's six v seven, mm. you'd have to think the Knights would be favoured for it. The, the, the Eels are struggling so much. The Knights' best footy could easily beat the Eels right now. So uh, I, I, the fight is on for that eighth spot. That That is a, a really tight battle. Titans, Raiders, Sharks, probably Dragons just, but Warriors and Tigers mathematically yeah, yeah. as well. It's a, it's a good finish. 
Yeah, it runs all the way down to to 13th spot. So what is going to be the story of the next 24, 48 hours out of rugby league, Jimmy? Uh, I think we continue to look at Parramatta very closely and, and what's happening there. There's a fair bit of... You know, there was uh, cracks in last week and there was a bit of finger-pointing going on on the back of that Seagulls flogging on the weekend. Now they start to turn not just on each other, but on everyone else as well. So people's, people on the outside looking in, um, there's, a, there's that element of joy that people get because they're such a big club and a proud club and a strong club, but um, they, they like picking at the carcass of the Parramatta Reels, and I think we're going to see that over the next couple of days. Well, what about those Giants and Sydney Swans, eh? I bet you're across all that too. You'll be wrapped about that on the weekend, and you'll be taking plenty of calls on that, I'm sure, on your show today. No doubt, no doubt. Swanee's kick straight. They they win comfortably, don't they? Mm. But I tell you what, it's um, they're they're well and truly in the in the, uh, the top eight, the top yeah, six, and yeah. so uh, yeah, their their best is pretty good too, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And the Giants just keep on coming against the odds. A lot of players out. They they beat Geelong. They just keep on winning, and their coaches gone from out the door to. Five-year extension to two-year extension to out the door. Leon Cameron, uh, he's uh, he's a strong dude, and the and the young boys are doing a job. Uh, does anyone care about the Giants in Sydney, in New South Wales? And I'm being ser- serious. Oh, oh. Do they command any media attention whatsoever? Very little. Yeah. Very little. I think there's a respect for the organisation. Yeah. I think there's, you know, and the, the respect for the organisation comes really with the respect for the AFL. And we know that the AFL do lots of things really, really well. They've got some issues like all sports, but, um, you know, the, the Swans are a beacon in this town. Mm. Um, the GWS Giants are a bit of an upstart, um, but they're, they're really well run. Um, uh, they, if, I'll tell you what, if they'd have won that grand final, I know they went a long way from winning that. Uh, if they'd have won that grand final, then they would have put a stake in the ground. Appreciate your time. Good luck with the show. And good luck for the next couple of rounds, still three rounds to go in the NRL. Jimmy Smith, thanks for joining us. I hope it doesn't get too hot in that kitchen, Timmy. <laughs> Jimmy Smith talking all things NRL. You can catch him on SEN Sydney. This is the Sporting Goss, and he might be back next week. Welcome back. It is 19 past 11 this morning on Gillian Goss. Matthew Pavlich, a regular after, well, every Monday after 7 o'clock. We dissected the derby with the equal games record holder from Fremantle. On a Monday morning, Dockers fans are up and about. Eagles fans are thinking about where to now. Three past seven, the new Kia Nero electric SUV range has landed. Mike Ellis, WA Basketball Hall of Fame, still to come in this next hour. Matthew Pavlich is here. And don't forget, you can, it's available as a hybrid, a plug-in hybrid, and a full electric the Pav is here. We're going to dissect what was a big weekend of footy, and there's a few other uh, questions as well about not just what's happening here in Perth, but you've come in and said that was as about a good a derby we've seen in a long time. I think it's the best derby in 10 years. In terms of a contest, uh, there's the song. Thank you. Um, Hayden Ballantyne hits the post in 2011, the yeah. second derby of that year. Oh, I think it's the best derby since then. Uh, West Coast of have been dominant for the last uh, five, six years. Um, so I was thinking back to that game uh, and seeing that ball sort of sail over my head and just nick the post way back in uh, 2011. And I think being there yesterday, uh, how good's the crowd? 
How yep. good is a big crowd? Fifty-two thousand in attendance, or very close to that. They make the game, and uh, I, but in terms of a contest, both teams had their opportunities. Uh, Frio got off to a great start, of course. We'll get into the, the detail, but. Um, West Coast, to their credit, came back and really in that third quarter should have or possibly could have gone in front. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable to say that, but uh, a great derby uh, and, and one I think that probably sparks the rivalry again. It's been a flat type of situation. West Coast have done really well over the past five years, but uh, that was a, a really good game and a great derby. Yeah, we'll get into the detail in just a moment, but uh, pre-game presentation to Dave Mundy. Yeah. We, we played a little bit of the audio earlier uh, on getting to that game's uh, played for the Dockers milestone. You gave him a gift. What, is, what does a football club give a player such as Dave Mundy uh, in that situation? Well, it was hard because there's some optics. You couldn't actually handshake yeah, or yep. hug and various things, so that, that's another topic altogether. <laughs> which I'm I not think sure. you said, I can't touch you. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, again, let's not worry about sort of the, yep. that sort of stuff. But, yeah, so um, there was a letter from the AFL. Right. Uh, there was a letter from the club and there was a letter from his family, Jock and Karen, his mum and his sisters from, from Melbourne, who couldn't, unfortunately, of course. Right. Come, uh, come to the game, um, and and yeah, amongst uh, sort of the jumper and a, a few other things. So yeah, it's a really nice gesture from uh, lots of different people that have been close to David for a long time. Um, I didn't write a letter. I'm saving it for this week, given the fact that he will officially yes, break past, past the record. So um, yeah, what a, what a great occasion it was for for him and his mm. family, yep. um, and and for the the footy club to uh, and for me, it was humbling to be in the room. Um, it's a great privilege any time you get sort of welcomed back into that sort of inner sanctum of the group, whether it's the Australian cricket team yeah. or uh, the club that you used to play with. And, and it was fantastic to to have him, who I played alongside for a long period of time, greatly respected, admired about the way he stays so balanced and leveled. It's sort of the way he plays. He, he always looks like he's got lots of time. He's, he's always well balanced. Well, that's how he is off the field. He doesn't get too high or too low. And maybe that's the reason why he's played for so long. Do, do you feel comfortable walking in the change rooms. It's an interesting point because I remember my recollection as a player, if you saw ex-players around, you'd always say, come in, come in, yeah. we, we want you in here, we want to learn from you, we want to talk with you. But it's amazing how quickly as an ex-player, it just feels like, um, I think, no, we've had our time, it's your space. 100%. You, um, you feel like you're almost sort of stepping into their void, their space or, yeah. or, or things that, it's not you anymore, you've got to hand that over to, to the next people and... Um, no, look, I, I do. You, you always feel a bit awkward because, yes, mm. you spent a whole lot of time there, but it's not yours anymore. You're not there. You're yeah. going to step out step out of it. So that's why I say it's a great privilege and pleasure to come back in because you get to talk about old stories. You get to talk about you know, what David and others have meant to you yeah. and to the club. Um, and, you know, to see yesterday, you know, Caleb Sarong and Andy, um, Adam Chera and Shaw Darcy and a few, Hayden Young, a few of these younger players step up, you can see it is, well, you know what, it is our club now and we, we do have to take this forward. It's mm. on our shoulders. So you're right, it's a, it's an awkward one for an ex-player because people want to hear from you, but yeah. uh, at the same time, you have to hands off, I think. So it was an incredibly good mood about the whole game, you say. You talked about the, the crowd, a beautiful day for footy, yeah. derby at stake, high stakes too, plenty on riding on it on the result for both teams. Stephen Hill's retirement, and Dean Margetts' last game, I thought it was very respectful by Frio yep. fans who have had their issues with him, but he went off the ground and they, it was a standing ovation for him. He acknowledged that. I know it means a lot to him. The Eagles' respect to the playing group, making an effort to go across and shake hands with everyone. It just was a really feel-good moment for footy that I think the country would have enjoyed. It was probably, um, as you talked about, the weather. Like <laughs> the, the cloud had lifted finally here yeah. in Perth. We had two months of rain and, 
uh, you know, the, there was a, um, no restrictions on crowds. There was um, a clean-ish game. We could uh, get in the lift, the normal lift. That's right. There was no issues with that. Well, I couldn't. Did you get in the normal, normal lift? Normal lift. You, you looked after there at uh... <laughs> Oh, mate, we've been going in the goods lift all for 18 months. <laughs> <laughs> chugging along. I still went in it yesterday. <laughs> but no, you're right. The, it, just that crowd. I mean, I, I know I had plenty of people mm. from Fox and pe- plenty of people from Melbourne saying, oh, how good's a crowd? Jeez, yeah. I wish we could get a crowd. I mean, we're, we are the envy Yep. of the yep. country right now about having 52,000. And look, I, I mean, as the day goes by, every minute goes by, we're firming for finals. We're mm-hmm. firming for this grand final, which is uh, just fantastic for our city. Pavi's here for the new Kia electric SUV range. It has landed. Uh, any texts, get in touch. Any questions for Pav? 0487736736. Lily of Cottesloe says, Gaff getting a seven from John Townsend in the paper. Gaff starting to get his possessions in the back half instead of his previously damaging kicks entering the 50. He had 32 touches. Is it just a number? Your thoughts? Uh, no, I thought he played quite well, Andrew Gaff. His gut running and, and ability to sort of link up was was pretty impressive yesterday. Um, he was the one actually early in the game uh, that was getting the ball in between and, and making it hard for Freo in some ways. But, geez, Freo started so well. But, no, I thought Andrew Gaff uh, had a good game. Um, it's always uh, a bit of a, a sign of... Uh, how well someone's playing is when you hear the boo so much. Oh, <laughs> he, wow. he was booed quite a bit yesterday, but no, I thought I thought his game was um, was was pretty impressive. And there were so many great battles all over the ground. Um, you know, Bailey Banfield started on Tim Kelly was doing a really good job uh, nullifying him, and then went to to Luke Shuey uh, early in the game. And Freo th- threw a few things at uh, West Coast. Sam Swikowski started in the middle. Um, you know, Banfield was was sort of tagging. Um, there was a number of other things in the forward line that they were trying to do that. Disrupt what happened, and, and it started so well for them. They they got the emotional, um, I guess, lift of, of the Hill and, and Mundy scenario, and they're actually able to use the ball as best as I've seen this year. Had 13 inside 50s for 10 shots at goal in the first quarter. They were, they were dominant, and West Coast didn't really have an answer, but really from halfway through the second quarter to the end of the third quarter, West Coast were absolutely dominant. In the third quarter, they had... Uh, 22 inside 50s to five, and normally that would result in, you know, maybe 10 goals, really. That that amount of inside 50s, unfortunately, they could only get only get three goals in that third quarter. And that Luke Ryan and Liam Ryan battle was an absolute beauty all day. Liam Ryan kicks three, but Luke Ryan had some huge moments mm-hmm. and, and really pivotal uh, intercepts. So a great game, and uh, and that's why I think it was was one of the best derbies in 10 years. Footy is a game of inches. We saw that uh, the Eagles kick a goal 15 seconds into the last quarter that gets re- doesn't get the, the goal umpire can't see it because it's yep. 40 metres away. Field umpire doesn't call touched. It gets reviewed. It was the correct decision. Yep. Absolutely 100%. And that's what is done for nearly every goal. So haps off to them. Then the Adam Cherry out of bounds, clearly out of bounds, but does lead to the Sarong goal. It goes to show, it, I mean, I know it's a simple thing, but it is a game of inches. Oh, yeah. If those two are reversed for whatever reason or that goal is not called touched or the Sarong, ball, uh, the Sarong goal is called out of bounds, there's a fair bit of toing and froing oh, and mo- momentum, momentum and yeah. score. Momentum goes, I mean, was, it's the first centre square bounce. I think it goes down and Alex Pierce somehow gets a fingernail on it. How you could, I was, you know, obviously down at ground level. You could see immediately he went across the umpire said, I touched that. So mm. he knew, mm. uh, and, you know, as you said, the, oh, right, the score cool. review, yeah. it was the right view. Um, the ball, Adam Chero, I mean, that was out in hindsight, but so hard for the boundary umpires uh, and the umpires in general to, to see some of those when they get blocked and, and various things. But, gee, it leads to um, one of the, the all-time great derby goals and one of the – maybe goal of the year contended, Caleb mm. Sarong, and what a, what a great game he played. Um, but you're right, the momentum, um, West Coast, they would have – 
kick that goal, they go a goal down. Mm-hmm. Or was it, yeah, 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 goal mm-hmm. down. Uh, and so they would have had all that momentum. But a uh, uh, great lunge from Alex Pierce to yeah, get that in. I thought that battle between he and Josh Kennedy, Kennedy got on top early, but um, Alex Pierce fought his way back into that contest very well. We're going to take a call from Daryl from Kingsley who wants to have a chat. And then after, we're going to talk about a couple of other issues, but I also want to talk about West Coast. Albeit they can still make the finals, albeit probably lean chances of beating Brisbane and with a few injuries and con- some concerns. Um, where to now for West Coast? Did we just see the changing of the guard as a football club? Get us a call, 13 12 55 or text 0487 736 736. Daryl's online. Pav's listening to you, Daryl. Good morning. Good morning. Um, just wanted to say it was a great win yesterday and what I really loved about the win was in that, that first half, we moved the ball much better. We looked for the corridor, looked for um, options that we ne- didn't necessarily look to to get the first time round. So it was really good, really good to see the energy from the guys. But however, next week is just as important to, to me. Um, we haven't had a great month of football and it's important to finish off the season well. A hundred percent, Darry. You spot on. Firstly, about the way uh, Frio were able to move the ball. That's as crisp a ball movement, and they're able to get the the one in between. So the the kick that doesn't go down the line to the contest, and not the one that you know you can sort of uh, go laterally. They're able to get sort of the forty fives or or the ones that are the, the twenty five thirty meter shorter passes, which break the line. And then get it in deep or, or, or much more to the, the forwards' advantage. They did that really well. But then, to credit to West Coast, they stopped those kicks, and then they're able to control the ball for for the best part of a quarter and a half, if not longer, and really own the game. But uh, uh, they do have to finish well, uh, Fremantle. You're right. Um, I wonder, just wonder if if the club would would think, how about we offer St Kilda a home game here? We'll get fifty thousand in. We're playing for a spot in the finals. And maybe see if they can bring the game here. There's there is some thought it's you know it was Tasmania. There is some thought it was the Northern Territory or somewhere to get you know not have to quarantine when they come yeah. back. Particularly if they are in the mix for finals, unlikely as that is. Um, I wonder if they're throwing that up this morning. 27 away from 12 o'clock on this beautiful Monday. 22 degrees in Perth right now. If you're listening on the SEN app or wherever you're listening, down there on SEN Spirit 621, hello to you. 24 tomorrow in the metropolitan area. Then the rain comes, possible showers. Of course, 20 degrees on Wednesday. Always get in touch with us, 13 12 55, or you can text 0487 736 736. Sam Edmund reporting that the pre-finals buy is gone. Clubs have been notified it won't be happening. Ross Lyon spoke about coaching again on Triple M. I ran into the league, Matthews, and it was a really simple conversation at the end of one of our games. And I'd certainly closed it, and I saw Lee, and Lee doesn't talk a lot, but he's very – he said, mate, you need to – you're going to coach again. I said, no, I'm done, mate. He goes, you're too young. You miss game day, you need to coach again. And I was like, but so for someone to, because there's a lot of noise around you and narrative and I thought, you know, I felt there was some respect there from Lee and then it does stimulate you thinking that you've got something to offer and maybe if an opportunity presented, maybe you look. AFL coaching is a passion. I never found it torturous or a job and to to put a team around you and commit to something and do something and, and try and build something special. Is is a wonderful feeling. He's not going anywhere soon, and he's going to use that little conversation he had with Lee Matthews as a little trigger point to uh, genuinely put his oar in the water. But which club will it be, Carlton? Uh, Don Pike's um, firming very much for the Collingwood job. 
former Crows, of course, he came back to WA for 12 months now at Sydney. Don Pike, very short price favourite to get the Collingwood job, Ross Lyon at Carlton. And, well, we don't really know what's going to happen with uh, Alistair Clarkson, do we? Who knows where that's going to take place and whether the Gold Coast Suns will be looking for a replacement coach anytime soon. A break, we'll come back. One coach who's on top of the world is uh, Bill Monaghan. He coaches East Shaman on the upset Subiaco, storming over the top of them after trailing by five goals in the second quarter. And they won by eight. Bill Monaghan joins us next on Sporting Goss, 25 to 12. We're talking WAFL football right now with the coach of East Fremantle, Bill Monaghan, who is celebrating what was a fantastic win coming from, well, I don't know, 20-odd points down in the second quarter to actually get up and dominate Subiaco in the end. It was a very emphatic win in the end, 36 and 8. It's 44 points, Billy. Nice result. Yeah, very exciting times. Not something that um, East Fremantle supporters or players are, are very used to um, beating Subiaco. I think that's six out of the last 46 meetings that were won, and it's first time since, oh, I don't know, must have been 30, uh, 20 games or something. Something wow. ridiculous. Uh, you and I have spoken about this before. Did you mention it pre-game at all? No, look, if if I um, mentioned all the clubs that we haven't been able to beat over the last couple of years, <laughs> we'd probably be walking around moping. So, no, for our psyche, what, we, we've improved a lot. Um, hasn't necessarily turned into a lot of wins, but, you know, I, I guess the last frontier for us to start getting a bit of belief is that we have to beat the better sides and, you know, all our wins, bar the, the Swan District's wins, have been against sides in the bottom half like us. So it's really good to get a, a good scalp. And, you know, we might have got them on a good day where they had a couple out. But, um, you know, the players, you know, they really enjoyed and saved the win. And, and now our challenge is to back it up this week and, and try and go back to back, which we haven't been able to do all year either. So what do you aim to do? You can't make the finals. So what were you aiming to do on the weekend? Was it just to put up a proud performance or were there goals set? Has it been goals set by the playing group or just purely by the coaching staff? Oh, look, we, we are doing a lot. We're doing a lot right and, and we just fray at the edges when things don't quite go well. So, you know, a lot of what we've been talking about is, is consistency in our performance and playing four quarters. And whilst we slip four or five goals behind... Um, probably for the first 15 or 20 minutes of the game, we were actually very good. And even in the second quarter, you know, as good sides do, like Subiaco, they, they just took their chances and, and they hit the scoreboard and, and, and we fell behind. So we're, we're trying. We're, you know, we, we've got a few soldiers out ourselves. Mm. And, you know, Cam Irvley was another laid out for us. So you know, we're actually trying to explore our list. Marsh played inside mid um, predominantly for the day. Um, Max Murphy's moved back. Kyle Baskerville's moved into the midfield. So we're just trying to work out, you know, for, for the future um, what types of role players can play. Um, and sometimes that causes a little bit of, you know, um, struggle for our players because they're, they're getting thrown around and, and challenged weekly. So, um, but really important. Our, so to answer, that was a long way to answer your question is that we didn't specifically talk about um, taking a big scalp, we just we're just trying to play our best footy, and and we've got some key measures around things like contested ball and clearances, which we've been poor at over probably the last five or six weeks, and and they were probably our our goals, and and we hit those marks on the weekend. I don't think anyone would keep this stat, but you would be hard pressed to find a stat against Subiaco in a long, long time where a team's kicked twelve goals against Subi, 
unanswered and kept them scoreless in the third. I mean, if you were doing stats, that's a that's a rarity in modern day football. In fact, it's probably been a rarity over the last fifteen years of Subi giving up twelve straight goals. Yeah, well, I can give you a stat because I do bizarre stats and I, I do like my stats. I'm, I'm of the belief, yes. so someone's told me this, so I'm a little bit scared to say this on, on radio. That's the first time in 84 games that someone's kicked 100 points against Subiaco. Wow. That's, that's what I've been told, that's what I've been told um, this morning, so I'm going with that and it sounds pretty impressive, so... I had a smile and said, well, we must have done something right. So you can go and look that up, but 84 games since someone's kicked 100 points against them. Okay, so Subiaco had a couple of, you know, Lockyer went out of the team. They uh, also didn't have their captain, Lee Kitchen. He was suspended and the like. Uh, Greg Clark got injured early. Looks like a knee or back of the knee, a hamstring, whatever it may be. Uh, did you see chinks in, in their armour that you tried to jump on during the game? Well, with Lockie going out, it was actually good for us. The weather was fine. It hasn't been fine for a while. We decided to go super tall. You know, we picked um, Hugh Dixon back for the first time for nine or ten weeks and picked um, Bryn Teagle 203 centimetres to go along with Dylan O'Reilly as well. So that probably played into our hands. You know, um, John, that's one of the reasons we played John O'Marsh through the midfield. And, and then we threw him and Jared Jansen forward at times. So we tried to stretch them and you know, Litherland's or Dua is only um, about 190, Heels about 190. So, you know, lock, we, we identified that whilst that's probably one of their strengths, they're not super tall down back. So Lockyer going out was a, a big plus for us. And I think our big guys competed really well. Um, they all hit the scoreboard and, and, you know, it gave a point of reference for um, our, our smalls to work off. So... We try to match them in the middle with some bigger bodies, um, Jansen and um, and Marsh in particular, and, and then stretch them forward. And it all came together. And, you know, it doesn't always go the way it's planned, but that's what we planned for, and, and it worked. And we might plan for the same this week, and it might not work. So um, you just take you just take it when it, it happens to, to fall your way. Six spot up for grabs. You play East Perth, who are on the same amount of wins as you. You've got them on percentage, but it'd be nice to get a bit of a gap there and uh, just be the best of the beaten brigade. Yeah, it would be. Look, that's what we're doing. We, yeah, we're trying to win as many games as we can, um, finish as high as we can, and, and, and our goal is to get back to play finals footy. We were we were planning and hoping that it would be this year, and things haven't really gone well from us from an injury point of view, and, and you know another couple of close losses. So. We're not that far off the sides above us and it's important that we finish off um, the season well and, and in particular this week against East Perth. Uh, what, what about your depth at your footy club? Is it a chance to, to really, you talked about uh, you know changing a few things up, playing that tall team and getting some blokes back and the like, but like Dixon and, and for the first time in a long time, have you got blokes that, are you a coach that aspires to, to bring the Colts in at this time of year? Have you got any boys that you want to really give a taste of league footy before the, the new season? Yeah, there's a couple of guys going around in the, in the reserves that are playing well, but you know, given that we've we've probably got seven or eight first choice players out at the moment, um, so we've actually explored our depth pretty well. We played Corey Warner, 17 year old kid from uh, Aquinas through our Colts. Um, he played the three or four week block. Finn Gorringe, who's um, in the state 19s and um, is playing um, regular footy for us, so. 
The hard part with the with the young kids now, Joss, is in two weeks' time they they play the the first of their under nineteen um, state carnival. So uh, none of the none of the top end talent are available in two weeks' time. So it's a, it's a little disrupted bringing them in and out. But you know we've probably got three or four guys that we we could look at over the next couple of weeks. But we're we're letting them focus on the on the state nineteens and then just you know, a couple of guys going really well on Rekay. Featherstone, um, really cool name. He's going well in the twos. Tommy, Wall- Tommy Wallace has been going well, but he got knocked out on the weekend, so he won't be able to play this week. Um, and so there's a couple of guys around the fringes. Yeah, Warner went back and played for Aquinas, and they got absolutely pant- their pants pulled down on the weekend. Yeah, um, I don't follow the PA, PSA that much, but I'll, I'll go with you, Josh, and if that's the truth, then they got their pants pulled down. <laughs> And your Colts had that big win over Subiaco. I mean, you know, you're still not 100% locked away for finals, currently in fourth, but that was a huge win. Probably put Subi to bed. That was a dominant performance. Yeah, it was. I think um, Subi pushed a few kids up into the into the twos and had a couple other injuries. So, um, And our, our Colts were at pretty full strength and just a couple of PSA boys weren't available. Um, but some really young... Um, Familiar names played really good footy. I, you know, I go and watch the Colts every week, and the and young Cripsy, um, it's going really well. Um, Rapped on the weekend, kicked four goals. Um, Tajwo Woden was outstanding, and then we got another couple of kids who were who are in line for getting drafted in in Josh Brown and and Jack Williams. So we're at pretty pretty full strength, and a couple of the other kids are playing good footy. So. Um, Really exciting, um, and hopefully they can finish the season off well and play finals, which is always a, a, a feather in the cap for those young kids. No doubt. Good on you, Billy. Nice result for you, mate. All the very best in the next couple of weeks. We might chat soon. Thanks, Goss. There's Cheers, Bill Bodahan, the coach of East Fremantle, after their wonderful performance over Subiaco in the league game on the weekend. This is your Sporting Goss. Six away from 12. That's midday, 22.2 degrees. Chris Clafunas, who loves his EPL, is in the house. And we are one game in. And already the big three are at the top. Man, you, <laughs> Chelsea and Liverpool. Yeah. No real surprises. The other surprise is that Manchester City aren't there, I guess, after their well, that's loss. That's a pretty big surprise, mate. To Spurs last they did win night. the league by 111 points last year. <laughs> Give or take. Lo- and they've lost the first game. Yeah. Shock loss. Yeah. They just couldn't get. Uh, their their style flowing, you know, they couldn't really. I guess they had control of the game. They had Who control scored of the for football. Them? For Spurs, it was uh, Hyung Min's son. Let's have a listen. Okay. Torres competes to try and win it back. Spurs scoop it out for Bergwijn. Width from Son. Bergwijn through the middle now. Deli Ali arriving. Lucas Mora checking on the edge of the penalty area. Son had a go. Gem that from Son Heung-min and the champions are behind on day one. Beautiful. Did, did they have crowds at the Strike. game? Yeah, they did. 
So that's not the uh, the, t- the tinned crowd. It is uh, genuine people genuine. in the stadium. Genuine. It was uh, it was a real joy to just watch the Premier League with uh, all the crowds in there over the weekend. But that was pure Spurs counter-attacking play. That's what they got good at last season and continued on their merry way. Just defend, 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 and then bang, hit them on the counter uh, like they did so many times last season. Manchester City, by the way, fielded the most expensive starting 11 history <laughs> in history worth wow. $1.034 billion Australian dollars. Easy money! <laughs> For the first time under Pep Guardiola, they failed to score in three successive matches. Wow. A um, couple of other stats from around the league. Mo Salah became the first player in Premier League history to score on five consecutive opening weekends. And uh, in that Liverpool uh, game as well, Virgil van Dijk back into the side. He's been missed greatly by the Reds, but he put in a great performance. 100% of his defensive aerial duels won. 93% pass accuracy, four ball recoveries, four clearances just on Fire. Manchester United, they were on fire as well. 5-1 over Leeds. Paul Pogba, four assists, just absolutely dominated. There's been uh, only a few other players that have been able to do that in one game. A few of them were Arsenal players back in the glory days. Um, But Bruno Fernandes as well with a a hat-trick on the opening weekend, which was really, really good for United. Jamie Vardy continuing on. He, Uh, um, I like this. So Leicester 1-0 over Wolves and Jamie Vardy's little celebration. Just get, give me a little bit of a howl uh, against the Wolves. A little bit of a wolf howl. Oh! oh. Yeah, so to the away fans. Just uh, Yeah, just stirring them up a little bit. All part of that high drama of having fans back and Jamie Vardy loves to stir up the fans as well. So that was uh, some of the, well, more entertaining aspects, I think, to the Premier League opening weekend. Um, West Ham opened their season with a win for the first time since 2016, so that was a long time coming. What about Brentford? What about them? They had a win, didn't they? Oh, I can't remember. I didn't no, really pay did. attention to so that the game. Win- so, so, <laughs> so the winners were, man, does, this is in ladder order on goal difference already. Mm. So after round one, the, the Man U, Chelsea, Liverpool, West Ham, Everton, <laughs> Brentford, Watford, Brighton, Leicester, Tottenham. And the losers, in order? <laughs> Villa, Burnley, Man City, Wolves, Newcastle, Southampton, Arsenal, Palace, mm. Crystal, Norwich, and Leeds. Yeah. Not a great stuff for Crystal Palace. So Chelsea are a really strong side, and they're going to be very, very good this season uh, with the signings that they've made. Patrick Vieira, the new manager for Crystal Palace, they've kind of been hung out to dry a little bit. They've got a bit of an aging squad, but... Um, so not the greatest start for them. Uh, who else can we move and talk about rather than Arsenal? <laughs> Southampton, that's right, a 3-1 loss to Everton. Good to see Everton winning. Yeah, you mentioned Toffees. Norwich losing. They're just, they're just going to be around the place. Everton. They always are. They never win it. Good to see Brighton it's win. It's going to be annoying. Uh, speaking of annoying, you've got to go. Okay. Okay, thanks for coming in. Just quickly, though, oh. Brentford, they were excellent. It was great to see them See, why, would you, why, did, you, why did you ignore the them season? the first time? Because I don't want to talk about it for too long. But very quickly <laughs> as well, um, Gerd Muller, the – Legendary yep. footballer. He yep. passed away. Yeah, uh, He has, well, he had a record of 85 goals. The only man to uh, record more was Lionel Messi, obviously, recently. But, yeah, a legend of football. That he is. So are you. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. 10 till 12 tomorrow. 
Sporting Goss, Curry, 22.4 degrees. Thanks for your company. Thanks for your feedback. We'll do it again tomorrow. What have we got tomorrow? Mick Collis will be in. Oh, Mickey Collis, he always uh, carves out a solid uh, half hour for us. Tyson Beattie. Tyson Beattie. Useless AFL stats. Useless AFL stats. A couple of other things. Yeah, a bit of other stuff going around. Have a good day, everyone. Enjoy the sunshine. I'm off to mow the lawn. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.